to be honest with you, I'm I'm very humbled by what Dory said about me, and I just uh, I can't help but tell you guys I, I love you. It's just a wonderful place to be with your church family, and you guys are my family. I'm going to have trouble going through this if my eyes start watering up because I can't read with water in my eyes. I want to start by saying that tonight's topic is forgiveness. And there's kind of two sides to forgiveness. There's the forgiveness that we need and there's the forgiveness that we need to give to others. So tonight I'm going to be talking about both but primarily about 95% of what I'm going to be talking about is the forgiveness that we're going to be giving to other people. There's a story told of Leonardo da Vinci, a famous artist we all know from the Renaissance period. He did a piece of artwork that is known to those of us who are Christians as the Last Supper. In that picture, there's a painting of the 12 disciples with Jesus having that, that last supper. Judas Iscariot's character, when Leonardo da Vinci painted that face, he chose to paint the face of his enemy, someone he despised on the face of Judas Iscariot. Later on, while he was working on the painting, he got to the point where he was about to paint the face of Jesus he found himself unable to do it. He was struggling. The reason he struggled is because he had hatred and bitterness in his heart for this other person. So what he did is he went back and he painted a nebulous face over Judas. Now, for those of you who are like me and don't necessarily know what the word nebulous means, it means like a cloudy or hazy face. And after he finished painting this hazy face over Judas, he was then able to go back and, and paint the character of Jesus' face. Well, this story is a story that makes a good point about forgiveness. The simple truth is that unless you have forgiven someone who's hurt or offended you, you're not going to be able to do the things that God wants you to do, which is a pretty important point. Jesus taught us to pray. The prayer that he taught us we call sometimes the Lord's Prayer. We're familiar with this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is essentially, guys, it's a model prayer. It's a prayer that we build our other prayers upon. It shows us how to pray. Jesus was saying every day you should ask God to forgive you for your sins Every day. 
Now, the word sins or debtor can be translated to debt, can be translated to trespasses, shortcomings, resentments, what we owe to you, and the wrong that we have done. Any Christian who is walking with God should be aware of the fact that we need daily cleansing from God. It's been said, the greater the sense of sin and the awareness of sin within, the more you walk with God. The more you know and walk with God, the more we become aware of how much we have sin and how much we need forgiveness, how much we fall short. The Apostle Paul, after walking with God for many years, he referred to himself as the chief of sinners. Jesus not only taught us that we should pray for our own forgiveness, but he also taught us that we should forgive our debtors. That's in Matthew 6, 12. Jesus taught us that our generous and constant forgiveness of others should be a natural result of the understanding of the forgiveness God has given us. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. Now, I know this is going to seem kind of silly, but I'm going to ask you to join me in repeating this sentence. Would you please? Forgiven people should be forgiving people. Amen. Well, if you know anything about the forgiveness of God, you should forgive others. And if you're not a forgiving person, uh, that's, that's kind of scary. We have to wonder how much uh, uh, we know about God's forgiveness. He has given it to us unconditionally. Write that down and circle it, guys. We should give it to others, okay? In many ways, forgiveness is the key to all relationships that are healthy, strong, and lasting. Um, we better learn to forgive because conflict is going to come, right? Husbands, we do offend sometimes our wives. Wives, we sometimes offend our husbands. Parents offend their children. Children offend their parents. Co-workers offend other co-workers. Friends hurt friends. The point is sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not intentional. Yet, because we're human beings, we get hurt and we hurt other people. Therefore, we've got to learn to forgive. Where there's no forgiveness, the root of bitterness, it grows. And where bitterness grows, it's the end of relationships. Hebrews 12.15 says that we should watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble, corrupting many. Now, I've heard it said that holding on to unforgiveness is like taking rat poison and expecting the rat to die. It doesn't work. It's wacky. It doesn't make sense. Yet some people do that. They think that that's something they can do. Not only does it sound wacky, as I said, but it doesn't work. Unforgiveness is like a boomerang. Well, you can throw it at the other person, but what happens? It comes back and hits you. Right? Now, People who 
don't want to forgive. Oftentimes they like to rationalize their case of why they don't want to forgive. You know what you're doing when you rationalize, guys? I want to share this with you. You're making up rational lies. Sometimes we say, I can't forgive that person because they're to blame for all the hurt that I have. They're to blame for the suffering I'm going through. The word we keep saying is blame, which is spelled be lame. We're being lame. Now, you know what? There's a study here. It was done by John Hopkins Hospital. And when I first started reading this last week, I want to say to you guys that uh, Pastor Rick Warren is the person I heard first say this be lame thing. So I've, I kind of borrowed that from him. And at first when I heard this, I started writing this out. And these are all the lame things we do. These are all the, I was thinking of this kind of stupidly. Well, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me since then, since last week. I said, Mark, this isn't about calling people dumb for doing this. This is about the fact that people really are lame. What does it mean to be lame? It means to be disabled, to be broken, to be sick in some way. You're looking at somebody who is very excited that I'm standing up here. I spent a chunk of last year in the, in the wheelchair. I know what it's like to be lame. So I'm going to share with you guys. When we choose not to forgive, these are things that happen to us. We become prideful, angry, resentful, bitter, vengeful, hostile, judgmental, lonely, fearful, joyless, defensive, exhausted, blaming, irrational, violent, manipulative, non-communicative, self-destructive, indifferent to helpful advice, emotionally dead, untrusting. Self-absorbed, still another page. Negative, cynical, self-righteous, stubborn, hopeless, spiritually bankrupt. I recently heard that wanting revenge is like wanting to bite a dog. Problem is the dog's going to bite you back. So you end up not successfully doing anything except being wounded in with a nasty mouthful of hair. When I look around this room, guys, I realize most of us would never want to be unforgiving people. If you're struggling to forgive someone, you might want to ask yourself, which of these descriptive things we just spoke about are you suffering from? What area are you struggling with? Are you lame in some area there, guys? Prideful people set themselves up, set themselves up as higher judges than God himself, who is continually willing and waiting to forgive. Surely none of us would want to have any of these negative qualities uh, to define who we are. But sadly, many people suffering from these crippling characteristics they allow it to consume their lives simply because of pride pride is the root of all unforgiveness when you choose to forgive you free the offender but more importantly you free yourself 
I'm going to repeat that one more time. When you choose to forgive, you free the offender, but more importantly, you free yourself from all those things we just talked about. Now, if you're, this is a scripture from Matthew 5, 23 and 24. says, if you're standing before the altar in the temple, giving an offering to God, and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your offering there beside the altar. Go at once and first be reconciled to that person. Then come with your offer and your gift to God. The point here is that whether it is you who have offended someone else or someone else has offended you, you need to take action. When do you need to take action? Come on, let me hear it now. Somebody. Now. Now. Why would they say to lay your gift out at the altar and go do this unless it wasn't supposed to be now? We need to do it now. I want to share with you guys something. Years ago, I went through a divorce. You've met my kids, most of you, my daughter Ashley and, and my uh, son Kyle here. Their mother and I went through a divorce. And I want to say this. I, uh, I worked 16-hour days, four days a week, sometimes five or even six days a week, so I wasn't home. And I think she, my ex-wife, went through a tough time with her husband not being there like I should have been. So I don't blame her, but she decided to separate from me, and then she put me through some really difficult times. Wasn't wanting me to be able to visit my kids. I can go on with a list of things. She met another guy and was with him, so there was a betrayal that's there. That pain and the things that I went through made me to the point where I can only say this to you, I had grown to the point where I literally hated her with every fiber in my body. I felt hatred and anger toward her. I knew the Lord wanted me to forgive her. So I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I feel you're commanding me to forgive this woman. So I'm going to do what you want me to do but I need you to do something for me, Lord. I don't feel like I'm going to be able to forgive her. I told God, I said, and I literally said this out loud in my prayer. I said, God, I hate her guts for what she's done, the betrayal. I hate her, and I can't forgive her that I know of, but I'm going to forgive her because you tell me to forgive her. I need you to make the emotions all that list of things, the blaming, the anger, all of those emotional things go away. When I do this act, I need my emotions to match up to the act of forgiving her. I prayed that. Then I went to her and I said, I want to say something to you that you maybe don't feel you need to hear, but I need to say it. I want you to know I forgive you. I forgive you for what's happened here, what we've gone through together, all the things that you have done. I want you to know you're forgiven. You know, the amazing thing and why I'm sharing this with you tonight is because God is capable. God is an amazingly, crazily, amazingly able to change our emotions
to change our feelings and make them match up with the act of forgiving someone. I literally haven't got an ounce of hatred toward her anymore. I have to remember that story, and in fact, I kind of struggle remembering it because it's to the point where I don't feel those at, at any of that at all, ever. I have forgiven her, and so God can and will, if you're struggling with that, give you the ability to match that. And I want to share with you the parable. It's in Matthew 18 of the unmerciful servant. You guys know that parable? Most of you, I think, do. In verse 21, Matthew 18, says, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive a brother or sister who has sinned against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags, that's a lot. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, that they were all to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But then the servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let me repeat this last part. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This means that we don't forgive uh, with just our words. We don't choose to go around acting the same as if there was no forgiveness. If you cannot feel it in your heart, go to the source who can change the condition of your heart and pray for a change of heart. Ask God to make your emotions match the act of forgiveness so that your heart matches your actions okay one last thing I wanted to share with you guys tonight before we go over the dis discussion questions in the Bible in 1 John 1 9 it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means when we confess our sins, God does forgive us. Now, I bring this up because a lot of us uh, may not necessarily know this, but when we pray and ask for God to forgive, we know we're forgiven. Why is it then sometimes we walk around feeling guilt? Why do we still feel guilty for the things that we did if we're forgiven? Well, I just want to say this. The Bible goes on to tell us that when we need forgiveness, we need to go to a brother. We need to go to some, a sister or a brother and confess our sin because that part is that what frees us from the memory, from holding on to it. You know, the, the enemy loves to do this to us where he says, uh, you're trying to keep it secret. Because you know you're not really forgiven. If you were really forgiven, you wouldn't keep this a secret. You know, the devil's kind of an interesting character. Before we commit a sin, what's he tell us? It's no big deal. Not a big thing. Don't worry about it. Go ahead and do it. Once we've done it, it's the worst thing you could have ever done. I can't believe you did that. That's incredibly horrible what you did. That You're the worst kind of human being in the world. I'm going to tell you guys, the enemy's lying to you. If you believe in that, stop. Go find a brother or sister if you're struggling with something that you need forgiveness for. Talk to them. Pray with them. God will forgive you. Realize God's grace and his forgiveness. Loose the guilt. Telling someone is the key to releasing feelings of guilt. That's my message tonight, guys. Thank you so much.